Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, well, good morning, C3 Noosa. Justin here. What a privilege it is, as always, to be able to bring the Word of God to you. And this morning, I've been given an opportunity to talk and share some ideas with you around this idea and this topic of leadership. Come on, I think we all need to hear a little bit more about leadership in our journey and our walk with Christ. And I think when we think leadership, I know I feel that it's really it's really relevant. Uh, it's really something that is needed in the times and context that we find ourselves in right now, be it politics, be it church life, be it in the home. Who knows we need leaders, right? And the bottom line is when it comes to leadership, the world needs it. Not just leadership, but godly leadership. I think we need a voice that will speak clarity and speak truth and speak loudly and clearly into, I think, uncertain times, into a culture of conformity, into a culture of compromise. But I think not just a voice to speak loudly. I think we need a voice that is going to speak godly truth, is going to speak godly life, is going to speak godly hope wherever it goes. Amen. And when you begin to research leadership, I think all of us at some point perhaps have jumped on Google and looked at what we can find out about leadership. I, you know, the, the, the list is endless. There is so much that we can read about. There's books, there's teachers, there's courses, there's mentors. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. But what I want to do this morning is I really want to strip that back. Because I really believe in my heart, if we are truly in the church and the body of Christ going to get a handle on this thing called leadership, we've got to go back to what is the heart behind leadership. And I think to do that, we've got to come back to that person who's the only person that really has modeled leadership so brilliantly. Who's the only person that we can truly call a leader, the ultimate leader. And of course, we know that that is Jesus. Amen. So I want to encourage you then that really your journey in growing as a leader begins for all of us as believers in the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everything any great leader of this age has said, commented, taught, posted, tweeted, shared. Do you know that Jesus did all of that through the Gospels and he did it with 12 men, 12 disciples, 12 incompetent, maybe a little bit dysfunctional, unbelieving men. I think they were 12 men that potentially you and I would never have given a second look to. We wouldn't have wanted to work with them. But here, here Jesus, the ultimate leader, transforms these 12 guys into some of the most incredible leaders the world had ever known at that time. Men that would have literally given their lives and in fact did give their lives for the vision that Jesus set before them. And today, 2,100 years later, from one solitary life, you know, a life Jesus never went more than 300 kilometers from where he lived. In fact, he never ever owned a home. He didn't have material status or wealth. He didn't have a leadership course that he could market. But the world today is still so fascinated with this life of this man. He really is one of the greatest models that we have in leadership to follow. And so there's a couple of things that I want to suggest to you when we talk leadership. And the first is this, and I've said it before, that Jesus really is the greatest leadership role model that we have to follow. There is nobody better. If you want to know what it is to lead, I want to encourage you to study the life of Jesus. 
Secondly, and this is really important, and I want you to hear this this morning, leadership really occurs anytime you and I attempt to influence the thinking or belief or development of somebody else. I want to say that again. Leadership occurs anytime when you and I attempt to influence the thinking, beliefs, or development of somebody else. So what that means then, what that implies is that at some point, at some time, all of us then can be classified as leaders. You know, often if you go into a corporate setting or church setting, you know, maybe you've asked that, the, the minister asked that question, how many, put your hands up if you consider yourself a leader and maybe 20% of, of the audience will put their hand up. Why? Because traditionally we think of leadership as only positional. But I want to encourage you that leadership is not just positional, but we all have life role or life uh, leadership positions, be it in our home, be it uh, as, as a husband, as a friend, as a father. Then some of us on top of that have what we call organizational leadership roles as well. But when you get down to the very heart of leadership, I want you to understand this morning that it's all about influence. It's all about how we influence the thinking, the beliefs, and the development of somebody else in our spheres. The third point of this, leadership starts in the heart. Leadership starts with your heart. And so, understanding that, I want to ask you this question. Are you here from a heart perspective to serve or to be served? Jesus gives us an incredible insight into really what leadership is about in Matthew 20, verse 28, he says this, he says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Servant leadership is the only management and leadership approach that Jesus validated for his followers. So then if you and I call ourselves followers of Christ, we really don't have any other options but to lead with a servant heart, servant leadership. And so what really does that mean? Well, I want you to understand this morning, when we talk about servant-hearted leadership, what we're talking about is understanding this philosophy and this belief on the inside of us that really at the end of the day, it's not all about us. It's not about us. And when you take that to heart and you allow that to sit on the inside of you, I want to encourage you, it is so freeing. It is so uplifting when organizations from a marketplace understand that it's not about them, it's about who they're serving in the business world. They come alive again. You know, this type of leadership is not all just about unicorns and fairy bread. The leadership part of servant heart leadership means that you're still clear about where you are going. You're clear about the vision that you set before people. It has goals. You're very clear on what you're trying to accomplish. That's the leadership part of servant leadership. But you bring people along the journey with you through serving, not by being served. And that's the great difference. You know, godly leadership is so crucial because you've got to understand that if people have nothing to follow, then inherently they just follow themselves, their own wants, their own needs, their own desires. If people aren't taught how to serve others, They'll inherently just serve themselves. And I think we can agree right now. We have so many people, hundreds and thousands of people in society and cultures that are simply serving themselves, serving their own wants, their own needs, and their own desires. 
The problem with that is often it's at the detriment of somebody else, right? As a church, we are called to lead through a lifestyle of servanthood, serving the interests of others. Why? That they might come to a point of encountering Christ. Because we understand that it's in those moments of encounter that people come alive again, that hope comes alive again, that people experience restoration, that people are renewed, that people can keep going. And sometimes we forget that Jesus said these very words. He's come to give us what? Abundant life. But his plan was always to come to this earth and do it through a servant heart. Not to be served, but to give his life for us because he was driven and motivated by what? By love. And so how do you cultivate servant leadership in your life? How do you stay focused then on growing as a leader? Well, I want to suggest to you, and I'm sure that there are many more, but five habits or key disciplines, if you like, to cultivate a life that's going to help you stay on task as a leader in your own circle, in your own sphere. And the first two disciplines I want to put together, and they're this, solitude and prayer. You know, when you read through the, the, the Gospels, throughout Jesus' ministry, there are times and moments where he would remove himself from mission, and he'd remove himself from task, and he would go and seek out a quiet place. He would go and seek out solitude. Why? So that he could simply be alone with his Father. He could simply sit and pray to his father and receive from his father. And so I want to ask you this morning, how much time do you spend in solitude with God? How much time do you have to yourself in a quiet place? How much time do you schedule in your life to remove yourself from maybe the chaos, maybe the distractions? How much time do you have in your life to simply sit with God? Just sit with him. On His Word, cultivating that prayer life. You know, I think we've got to learn in a task-orientated society how to stop for a moment, how to slow down, and maybe enter the day a little bit slower. You know, you see, what's interesting about solitude and prayer is this, that you are quietening yourself and you are recalibrating yourself to realign to what it is that God has called you to. Realign you to the direction He's calling you in. So often in life we get busy, we get driven by tasks. There's so many priorities and things that overwhelm us that we've got to carry. There's responsibilities. But I want to tell you the secret to starting that, that, that leadership development in your life. When we're talking about servant-hearted leadership, is disciplining yourself to come into a place of quietness and solitude where you can sit with God and ask these questions. God, why is it that I'm doing what I'm doing? God, what is it that you would have me do next? Father, show me how I can do things in my life that are going to bring a smile to your face. You know, the reality is, if you look today around the world, there are so many leaders that are burning out, crashing out, hitting walls, serving God. But they're getting home and they've got nothing left. They've got no energy left, no time for family, for people that are important, for those things that should take priority in their life. Why? Because we can become so easily consumed with simply doing and doing and doing that we forget what Jesus wants for us is that we would learn how to be. Not simply do, but be. Simply be in His presence. Jesus was such a great example of this, right? 
He kept on mission. He kept on task. There was so much need that he created in his world through healing and the laying on of hands and casting out demons. There was endless distraction, endless opportunities, but he kept on task. How? Those times and moments of solitude with the Father where you say, God, there is so much I see, but what is it that you have called me to? What is the most important thing I need to focus on? Who are the people I need to speak to? What is it that you would have me say? And he would come out from that place of solitude and the disciples would say, Jesus, we need you over here. These people need you. We need your, your, your hand, your healing over here. And he would say, I understand that, but I've been called to go here. We need to go through this city. I have a meeting with this person. How would he know that? Time with the Father. God, what have you called me to? Not only solitude, but I want to encourage you. Prayer is so vital in those times. Prayer is what? That open communication, speaking to your father, starting that dialogue through prayer, beginning to understand the heart of God, not just speaking, but receiving. Sometimes I know it's difficult to know what to pray, but I don't know if you ever remember that acronym Acts. Often it's gone around in church circles, but I find it really helpful and I want to share it again with you this morning. So ACTS is the acronym. A stands for adoration. If you don't know what to pray, simply come into the presence of God, adoring Him. Father, I look at creation and I see the mighty works of your hand. You are amazing. You are incredible. God, I'm blown away by your goodness and your faithfulness. You are the King of kings and Lord of God. There is no one higher than you. Then see confession. Confess to God what's going on in your world. Confess to God maybe the struggles you've had where you've fallen down. God, forgive me. This week's been a bad week. I haven't been the father you've needed me to be. I haven't been the husband you've needed me to be. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Then T, thanksgiving. Father, but thank you even in spite of that for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you're always there for me. And then S, supplication. Bring your request to God. Father, I need, I need heaven open in my life right now. God, I need a miracle. God, would you bring finance? God, would you bring healing? I don't know what to say to this person. Would you give me wisdom? Act such a great way to pray. So the first two, solitude and prayer. The third discipline is this, study His Word. Study His Word. And I've spoken before on this in, in previous messages, how crucial it is as leaders in our sphere, we remain grounded, right, on the Word of God. Because you and I know we need divine guidance. We need wisdom. We need understanding. We need to be able to discern the times. And that comes through that time invested in the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God, as I've said, is, the, is not just a book with words written on it, but we know that it is a living Word and it is powerful. It's God's truth. We speak it into darkness that there will be light. We overcome the enemy by using the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, Jesus carried the authority of God's word on the inside of him. He, he knew it. 
and he knew how to use it to overcome the attacks of the enemy. You see, this is what you've got to understand about leadership. Leadership will put you often in the front line of the battle, in the front line of that good fight of faith. And so on the front line, it's even more crucial that we learn how to defend ourselves and take offensive with the weapon, the sword in our hand to cut down the attacks of the enemy. The Word of God, I'm telling you, will mature you. It will transform you. It will make a way forward for you that you may prosper and have good success. You know, the thing about leadership is this. At some point, God will cause you and ask you and challenge you to stand up, step out of your comfort zone, to enlarge you and, like Joshua, cross the Jordan River into the unknown land. To lead people, not knowing necessarily where you're going, but trusting in God. And what does that take? It takes faith. It takes faith. How do we get faith? We know the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So we've got to continually hear the Word of God as we read it to build our faith. Because we know in James it says without faith it's impossible to please God. But as leaders, God will ask you at some point. To use your faith to step out and do maybe what someone else won't do. But that's what leadership is. Carrying vision. Carrying a burden in your heart to speak truth when maybe it's uncomfortable and you don't want to. To stand up when nobody else will stand up. To go a certain direction led by the conviction of your heart. Trusting God. It takes faith. And that, my friend, is why the Word of God is so crucial. Keep it on the inside of you in your heart. The fourth discipline is this. Intimate Community, intimate community. You know, Jesus had a small group. Did you know that? He obviously had his 12. He had others outside of that. But within his intimate circle, he had John, James, and Peter. And these three he would often share with that he wouldn't share with others. There is something, I want to encourage you, there is something powerful in intimate community. When you journey with someone in this life, when you are side by side with someone in relationship, when you're building relationship, when you're fighting that good fight of faith alongside one another. But there's another purpose, I believe. God places us in intimate relationship and community. And that is because that is a proving ground for humility. Amen. That's sometimes a word we get a little bit uncomfortable hearing. But the heart of a servant leader is that exactly. It's all about humility. Not necessarily needing to be the first in line. But being prepared in life to get down on your knees and wash the feet of the person that's last in line. Amen. Humility. Learning how to take on the cares and burdens and concerns of others and walk them through it. Putting others' interests before ourselves. Why? Because we're motivated and we're driven by love. And you notice that I call this fourth discipline, I call intimate community discipline. Because it takes intentionality in our lives to push back against, again, that culture and society that says, you can do it alone. You don't need people. You don't need others' advice. You don't need others' help. You can be your own success. You can do this on your own. Go it alone. You'll be okay. No, we've got to practice intentionally connecting out with others, connecting to others. Relational growth, it's not self-perpetuating. It takes time and it takes investment and it takes work and energy. But it's in this context, God has designed you to lead. It's no good trying to lead if all you're doing is leading yourself. That's not really leadership. Leading is 
influencing the thoughts, behaviors, beliefs of somebody else in your world. For the glory of God. Amen. Servant-hearted leadership is serving somebody other than yourself. It's here that we lead. It's here where that mission God places is on the inside of us is outworked. It's here that we reflect Christ to others. And I want to hear, I want you to hear me this morning, church. You know, the world is not going to know that you are Christ's disciples by what you're always speaking. But the word of God says that the world will know that you belong to Jesus. How? By the love that you have for one another. John 13, 34 to 35 says it like this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. A love that can only be cultivated in the soil of relationship. You know, we want the world to look at us. And appreciate us. We want the world to take us seriously. That We want the world to recognize a voice. But you know when the world looks at us. What are they seeing? Are they seeing infighting? Are they seeing bitterness? Are they seeing brokenness? Are they seeing hypocrisy? Beliefs that are inconsistent with what we say and what we do. No the world will know that we are Christ. By how we love one another. And I want to, I want to challenge you this morning. Servant hearted leadership. Leading strong, being counted, is about foregoing the opportunity in that moment to point out blame, to criticize, to find fault, to judge. When we're not prepared to step up to the plate, but we're prepared to share the opinion that doesn't build up, but it tears down. Servant-hearted leadership goes beyond that point and says, The world's going to know me because in spite of what that may be, in spite of that reality in certain situations, I'm going to love and I'm going to walk with grace on my life as Christ did. I'm not going to find fault, but I'm going to look for opportunity to build up, to invest, to carry the dreams and visions of others, to get down on my knees and wash the feet of others. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus champions us to do. And the final discipline Or habit, if you will, that Jesus models this, to trust unconditionally in the love of the Father. Jesus knew beyond a shadow of a doubt who he was and whose he was. So much so that we read that story in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's wrestling with what his father is asking him to do. And he says, Father, if you can take this away from me, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass. But nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And that statement says so much. It says, Father, I trust you so unconditionally. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love me, that you've got the best in mind for me, that you've got my back. So whatever it is that you're asking me to walk through, I'm going to walk through it because I trust you. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sometimes I think people can struggle with that. Why? Because we place our self-worth and our self value in other things. Maybe it's our accomplishments. Maybe it's our wealth. Maybe it's in having status and power. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in working hard and and getting status and, and having the good things in life. There's nothing wrong with that. But where the trouble comes is when that's the litmus test 
for our value and who we are. Because the problem is we'll always want more of that. We'll never be satisfied until we gain more, earn more, do more. But God says, no, 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 I love you. That's enough. Who I think you are is enough. Who I say you are is enough. Who you are in my eyes, that's enough. And so servant leadership leans into that, uh, is, is counterculture in the way it leans into what the world expects, right? We don't, we don't chase successful things, but we look for opportunities to serve. We don't accumulate, but we're generous in what we do. Generous with our finance, generous with our time, generous with our money, that we can reach out and touch someone else's life, right? Rather than striving for recognition in this culture, what do servant leaders do? They look to serve the interests of others. In the context of relationship, what are we trying to do? We're creating opportunities for God to encounter other people. You know, John Ortberg, he's a, he's a brilliant American preacher and author. And he wrote a book about his grandmother, and it's titled this, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. And I want to read you this because John Ortberg in his, in his book describes his grandmother as an incredible Monopoly player. Right, And he would describe that at the end of every game he'd play with his grand, she would just wipe him clean. She'd have all the houses, all the hotels, all the money, and he'd be left with nothing. And she would get to the end of the game with a big grin on her face and she'd say to John, John, don't worry, one day you're going to learn how to play this game. And John remembers when he was about 12 or 13, he moved next door to a family whose son was incredibly gifted and good at playing Monopoly. And so he purposed in himself every summer break, he would spend as much time as he can with his neighbor playing Monopoly to get as good as he can because he knew the day was coming when grandma was coming over and he wanted to be ready for her. And eventually, we read in the book that the day came, his grand came by to visit and he ran out to her, gave her a big hug and said, Grand, so good to see you. Hey, listen, how about we go play some Monopoly? Well, her eyes lit up and she said, come on, John, let's go. But this time he was ready, right? And so the end of the game came and he had wiped his grand out. He had all the money, all the houses, all the hotels. And he said it was the, the best feeling, such a significant feeling of achievement and accomplishment in his life. But this is interesting. His grandma, he said, I'll never forget this. His grandmother at the end of the game smiled and said, John, now that you know how to play the game, let me teach you a lesson about life. And she said this. She said, it all goes back in the box. And he said, Grand, what do you mean? I don't understand. She said, I want you to hear me. All you brought, all you accumulated, all you invested, all you achieved, at the end of the day, it's simply all goes back in the box. You see, the only thing that's important in life when everything else is said and done, when your time comes to an end, is who you have loved and who loves you. Amen. You've got to remember when they asked Jesus, Jesus, what is? Break it down for us. What is the most important commandment? What do we need to remember if we remember nothing else? And what did Jesus say? He said, I only have two things for you to remember. The first is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. That's number one. The only other thing you need to remember is love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, it was all about love. That is the leadership that we should be aspiring to as a church. Loving people to see God encounter them, transform them, restore them. You know, when I think back about our journey, I'm more convinced every day as a church that Jesus came to this earth not to create religion, but to start a relationship. 
to build relationship. And I'm so grateful for the relationships that have been built in our church and the amazing people that lead with that servant heart to keep those relationships strong and flourishing. People leading with a servant heart to make a difference in someone else's life. I want to encourage you this morning, everybody listening to me, that this is what matters because at the end of the day, all your achievements, all your accomplishments, everything that we strive for, all the tasks that we do, at the end of the day, it all goes back in the box. And what matters is who have you loved? How have you served? How has God been glorified in your life through your obedience and your faith? How have you won in those moments where you could have gone to judgment, but you went to grace? When you could have condemned, but you built up? When you could have forsaken, but you stuck with? When you could have let go, but you were faithful? That encapsulates the very heart of leadership. Amen. So how do you develop a heart of servant leadership just like Jesus? Create space in your life for solitude and prayer. Commit yourself, my friend, to the Word of God every day. Commit yourself to developing relationships with other people and trust in the love of the Father that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are treasured. I want to tell you, you're unique. There is no one like you. God has a purpose for your life that you would not just exist, but that you would make a difference here and now. Amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.